Welcome to Talk the Talk. I'm Bill Newman. And I'm Buzz Eisenberg. And it's Monday, and so it's Mayor's Monday on WHMP and Talk the Talk. And we are joined by the Mayor of Holyoke, Joshua Garcia. Mr. Mayor, thank you so much for being with us. We really appreciate your time and your spending time with us. Morning, everybody. Thank you. And Happy New Year to you, Mayor. Happy New Year's. Mayor, what's all that white stuff down in Holyoke? All the what? White stuff on the ground. We call it snow. Oh, (laughs) good old fashioned New England. That's what I call it. So, Mayor, I'd like to know this. Uh, I'd be interested to know you knew there was uh, a snowstorm predicted and coming. What did that mean for you and your schedule and your planning and the city's? uh, And how did the city deal with the snowstorm? Just what are the what are the what's the minutia of all that? I'd be interested. Well, I mean, just I mean, we're here in local government to provide the service to constituents. So obviously with um, the snowstorm, uh, uh, you know, upon us, there was a lot of behind the scenes planning. Every local government throughout the Commonwealth, like everybody else, you 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 plan for accordingly and you execute to try to keep the roads clear um, and safe so that uh, first responders and, and residents can get through safely. So um yeah it was the first snowfall of the season we were actually very excited to see it coming actually um uh, you know we didn't get it for for christmas day but it's here uh we hear a lot about how snow, snowstorms affect uh city budgets municipal budgets does it affect yours yeah i mean it, you know there there is an impact um uh, to the budget you the the, the challenge with winter is that you know, you can't predict how much snow you're going to get. So it's always like, <clears throat> you know, it's a, it's a, it's a projection, right? Like how much do we have to budget for the, the interesting thing though, about this, uh, when it comes with snow and ice is that if you don't adequately budget, you can deficit spend and then, you know, move funds later and cover so that you're not having to figure out how to get money's transferred, get it to the council, support it. You know, there's a long process to that. Um, but either way, the city of Holyoke, you know, we get through it one way or another. So, uh, tell me this, the, the, the expenses are for overtime for DPW or are there other expenses involved? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's not just overtime. I mean, obviously when it's overnight on a non-working day, right, you have to pay the crew to come out and, and also we have, um, contractors as well, uh, that we pay to help with snow and ice removal. Um, uh, sometimes, you know, the, the funds can be used to, um, keep up with the maintenance of, uh, the trucks, um, that are impacted from the snow and ice removal process. And, um, uh, it also pays for the salt that we throw onto the ground. Um, so it, it covers anything and everything that has to do with mitigating, um, you know, the winter impact. One last question on this, if I might, Mayor, I'd like to know, uh, do you get calls and what do you do with them? <laughs> uh, we do. We do get the calls. I get social media pings. I get a shout out on the uh, Hello Holyoke Facebook page once in a while. And I just forward it. You know, we have a, a process here within the city. And just like any other issue with any other department, as I get the the inquiry, um, I forward the inquiry to the appropriate department and they take care of the problem. An inquiry or uh, an expression of feelings? <laughs> Oh, I, I don't want to call them complaints because um, you know, <laughs> have a negative 
uh, tone to it. You know, it's it's a good way to. I, I I never mind when people tag me or call the office. I invite it. It's a good way to keep my finger on the pulse. Wow, he's a good issues. politician, Bill. Good politician, <laughs> Mayor. I, I do have a serious question, which is when when we have a really uh, serious storm, sometimes municipalities <clears throat> have to call in private contractors to do the plowing and the cleanup. Yeah. And is that on an annual basis? You have to rebid. You have to put out requests for um, proposals from contractors who have plows on the front of their pickup trucks. I that's a good question. I I don't. I'm not involved um, at that level. We do have a, a chief procurement officer. Yes, you would, right? Any dollar amount, um, you kind of have this bank blanket contract. You you bid them out and and you secure the contract for X amount of years. Um, but um, uh, to answer the question, I haven't really been involved at that level um, to have to you know uh, give you a clear answer. But most likely, yes, we do have to bid those out. So, Mayor, I'd like to change topics for a minute and go back to something that was in the news very recently, and that is that the receivership for the Holyoke schools may be coming to an end after, I think, what, eight years or more? Tell us where that stands and what your what your vision for the future of the Holyoke schools well, is. To, to clarify, so we submitted our petition, and, and uh, that petition has activated... A, a some sort of a process for response and it sounds like to me you know was described to us um with meeting with school committee members with the commissioner that uh he was going to have the receiver do an analysis and offer a recommendation the receiver's done that um and we've gotten a response from the commissioner that um he's received um uh, not only the petition but the recommendation from the receiver and that he'll give us an answer by February 2nd or sooner. It doesn't mean we'll get the schools, you know, let's say he comes back and says, yes, we'll transition to local control. We don't know how soon or how quickly. Um, doesn't mean it'll be the next week after that. Um, but, you know, and for the most part though, it feels good to know on our end that there's, there's, a, there's something moving here. Um, uh, when it's going to be, that's something we're going to talk about at that time when we, we do get a decision from the commissioner so we can start planning what that transition looks like. What does receivership meant on a day-to-day -day basis, on a practical level for the Holyoke schools, and what will the end of receivership mean? How will things change? Well, the old, so right now, so in a municipality where there's no receiver, the, the control goes to an appointed or elected school board, at least here in Hoyoke, the form of government. Each of our school uh, board members are elected. Uh, we have seven ward representatives and two at-larges. And as mayor, I'm the chair um, of that board with some with voting powers. Uh, right now, we're, we don't have, we're completely voluntary at the moment. Um, it's um, we don't have that power control to to make a vote and that has you know a direct influence to those decisions. But that doesn't you know since receivership's been here, the school board has been continuously meeting every month together with the appointed receiver, and the receiver has been working collaboratively with the school board all these years. Um, uh, you know to. So there's been 
although we don't have direct control, there's been a collaborative effort uh, between the, the bodies. Um, and so that just means that when receivership ends, that control goes back to the school board and the appointed superintendent, um, you know, has to work in that local control environment when doesn't wouldn't have as much flexibility as he has now. Um, Cause now that means you have to get, you know, the vote of the body when trying to move funds around, for example, or when negotiating union contracts. Um, so that's critical for any municipality because that's the founding principle of why we exist in this country, the ability to self govern. Um, and uh, you know, I think receivership is important, uh, an important pivot when things aren't working the way it should be. I think, you know, Springfield as a, as a whole went, was under a control board was the city was under receivership not too long ago before Mayor Sarno came on board. Um, again, you know, you want local control you want, but if when things aren't functioning the way it should, you know, the mechanism kicks in where the state takes control and moves things around. It's almost like a reset. And ideally it goes back to local control. So that's what we've experienced almost like this reset opportunity. Um, but once we gain local control, it gives us the opportunity to self govern and, and uh, kind of start fresh. Does the fact of receivership or the fact of the end of receivership have any financial implications? Is there any more or less money for the city of Holyoke? Yeah. So there are, there are, from what I understand, uh, some funding that, that is made available to the city because we're in receivership, but because of the student opportunity act, uh, every year for the next six years where, you know, our formula revenue is increasing. We've got more money now than, than we've ever gotten before from the state to, to manage operations in, in our school. So, you know, with that, when that money goes, the student opportunity act kind of, you know, is, is filling in for that plus some. Do you know, Mayor Garcia, whether the receivership has resulted either because of the receivership or otherwise, but while the city of Holyoke school system has been in receivership, has there been improvement in either scores or student retention or by other metrics? So I think, you know, as far as academic outcomes and, and the receiver was clear, you know, in his letter that, you know, there's, it still has been a challenge. Um, uh, you know, and I think that has direct correlation to gateway cities and the and the um, social determinants that we're dealing with. And but there were other. It, it wasn't just academic outcomes that um, you know that was just one component, but others like prior to receivership. You know, Hoya Public Schools we lacked many instructional and operational systems that were required to to run a district well. Some systemic challenges that. Um, you know, were identified initially um, included, you know, inconsistent instructional quality and incomplete assessment systems. There was also challenges at the secondary level, um, some absence of leadership opportunities for teachers and, and staff, and there was limited school-based autonomy and outdated technology and data systems. There was just all these um, other things that, 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 um, that, uh, when you're trying to achieve the outcomes you're looking for that were very dependent to, to, to actually operate the school system. So there were a lot of 
good changes on that front that would have been difficult to do on our own. Um, because the flexibility a receiver has when you're not under control, local control. Um, there were some new programs that were created. The, the high school dropout rate did dec um, decrease and um, uh, graduation rates did increase. Um, but when you look at scores, MCAS scores, we're still, um, you know, below average. And, you know, we're st we still have a lot of work to do on that front. Um, uh, but, you know, as, as far as the foundation is concerned to, to continue to um, implement um, what we need to do to, to, to improve things is, is, has definitely gotten better. Um, but, you know, the other important part of this is when we were under local control, we had extremely limited resources. And now with the Student Opportunity Act, there's more monies than what was available when we were, which gives the school district under receivership you know, an opportunity to do more than what we could. Um, and so, you know, we're very much looking forward to see what we can achieve under local control um, with this new um, revenue source opportunity. Man. So there, there were, you know, I, I would say, I, I think re receivership was a necessary pivot at the time. Um, there were a lot of important changes that needed to happen um, uh, that would have, we would have had a hard time doing on our own. And now that we've kind of done that, that reset happened, it's, it's time to, you know, the other important part of all of this too is the, the politics as well. The politics in our cities improved. Um, and that's, a, that's important too. Mayor, is there anyone in Holyoke relating to the, the schools um, who doesn't want the receivership to end? I, you know, I've, I've, I've never heard of anybody saying they don't want receivership to end, no. We are speaking with the mayor of Holyoke, Joshua Garcia, on this Mayor's Monday on WHMP and Talk the Talk. We'll be right back with the mayor. We want to talk about policing right after this. The mama pajama rolled out of bed and she ran to the police station. When the papa found out, he began to shout and started the investigation. It's against the law. It was against the law. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. WHMP. We continue our conversation with Holyoke Mayor, Mayor Joshua Garcia. Mayor, there was a major controversy in the city council about your proposal for an additional million dollars for policing following that tragic uh, death of uh, the baby uh, eight months uh, in utero that the mother was carrying. Baby was named Ezekiel, um, did not survive. Uh, you made a proposal that involved a lot of uh, additional policing and other elements of the plan. The city council, as I recall, uh, did not accept that million-dollar proposal. Where does that stand, and what do you plan to do at this point? Yeah, I think, you know, again, like I described before, I think there was a lot of misinterpretation um, and mischaracterization of the plan. It wasn't a million dollars for policing, although policing was component of a much, you know, comprehensive uh, strategy in how to tackle quality of life issues in the city. Um, so as far as policing is concerned, I want to say about a little over 400,000 of that million 
was going to go to Operation Safe Streets. And Operation Safe Streets is just, it's community policing. It's all the stuff that the council um, has been asking for, members of this community, bike patrol, traffic patrol. Um, it was going to help us cast our net uh, to get off the the, um, the civil service lift, list officers so that we can um, get closer to our 95 number, which is another another complicated uh, process when you're recruiting officers. It's it's not like you can, you know, get the list and hire them next week. There's this is a whole process, and in that process, people retire, um, uh, people move on to other jobs, um, and so it's it's tough always to hit your target number. Um, so it was going to help us get closer to that number, um, and then also, yeah, we were going to have a a, a Holyoke division um, task force to um, tackle um, hotspots. Uh, around uh, the city so it you know um as far as what we're going to do you know I, i'm going to find other creative funding ways to fund operation safe streets because i know that's what the citizens want i know that's what this council wants um to 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 do that level of policing um the other strategy in that plan was to have a community response division out of the mayor's office uh which was to um have uh, three social workers. Uh, one was going to be a ho homeless housing navigator and the other two would be, um, for the lack of better term, social workers that would uh, go out and be proactive. Um, uh, citizen complaints, citizen inquiries, when it comes to landlord issues, um, you know, to kind of help resolve issues before they actually become bigger problems. Um, and then $200,000 of that $1 million was going to go to, in the form of grants, to uh, youth programming and services. Um, you know, we would have solicited proposals to see, um, you know, what we can fund out of that funding source to engage youth um, and, and keep them off the streets. So it's a, it was a comprehensive plan to jumpstart initiatives. It wasn't at all a million dollars to give to cops. So that we got to clarify that immediately. Um, as far as the 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 the, the, the uh, community response division of the mayor's office, we do have opioid funding that we're sharing up, and I'm hoping to introduce a proposal to the council in this year, this calendar year, that will help um, get that that program off the ground. Mayor, are there other proposals for 2024 that you want to initiate? Well, so we've been working with MassDOT for a while. We call it the High End Maple Project. Um, very, very soon, um, there's going to be a, a citizen uh, engagement process to solicit input on, on uh, people's ideas for downtown. But the High End Maple Project through the, through the TIP program is going to within four years reconstruct downtown pretty much so uh, street sidewalks better intersections um trees tree pits and the likes so that's a big one for me that i've been pushing since i've got in um and uh we're also going to be kicking off our comprehensive planning process uh, we call it comprehensive planning it's trying to move away from the term master planning but pretty much is what it is is a 20-year vision for the city um, so we'll be kicking off that very soon. We do have to shore up our ARPA projects, um, continue investing um, in our capital uh, projects, our public building upgrades. I do want to get this community response division um, off the ground. I think it's it's critical uh, for this community to um, 
have such a program so that we can be much more proactive in solving issues before we become bigger problems to the city. Operation Safe Streets continues to be uh, important, especially as we get come around spring and summertime. So I'm gonna um, continue to work with the council to figure out ways to, to fund that. Um, there's the Victory Theater. I'm hoping to have some news very, very soon. Um, so I, you know, we wanna get to a point where we can finally break ground. And there is some big news coming out hopefully soon if things go well on a sports complex for the city of Hoyoke, which would ideally be the new home of the Volleyball Hall of Fame. So some projects we're working on um, uh, for the year and uh, we'll see where it goes. Uh, Mayor, I just want to return for a moment to Ezekiel's plan. Uh, we, we, we've talked to you many times and we read all the time about policy and the issues uh, surrounding policing and uh, avoiding nightmares like what happened in October uh, on a passenger bus. But we never hear about Selena Santana, the, the young uh, mother who was critically injured and barely survived, but did thankfully survive as her baby was delivered and subsequently died. How is she? Do you know? She's doing very well. Her and I have, put it this way, she's became a member of my family. Mm -hmm. Her and I have become very close her and um, her, her um, husband and her family and my wife and we all we connect regularly um, and uh, you know we were able to help her get out of her the neighborhood she was in into a, a much more adequate adequate and suitable uh, housing arrangement and a, and a better neighborhood and you know and we're just at you know we we're trying to be as supportive as possible and She's she's doing well. She's in good spirits. Um, and, um, you know, I, I can't I just I can't imagine it, it kills me every time I think about it. And it was the first, you know, guys, it was the first time, you know, a lot of folks ask me, man, Josh, how isn't that being the mayor must be tough. No problem. Walk in the park. We we come in, we do the people's work. It's the job. But when that situation happened, it was the first time since I was in this office where I actually questioned why I was here. The first time I actually got scared. Um, it did It did uh, rattle me a little bit because um, I just can't imagine being in, in Selena's shoes going having to go through that. Um, and, you know, I put a lot of heart in Ezekiel's plan to, again, not just, you know, it wasn't a lot of folks think it's this lens of policing, but we're a compassionate city. We do a lot to help uh, people build up when other communities um, uh, don't want to deal with vulnerable populations. I think we're more progressive than so-called progressive communities, but that comes with a level of quality of life challenges. And, you know, our level of compassion, it just, it has to go hand in hand with enforcement. That's the bottom line. Um, in order to get the outcomes that we're all looking for, for a vibrant community, those two need to work together. Um, or you, you do one or the other, it's, it's not going to give you a good result. Um, the outcome's not going to be the best. So we have to continue to figure out ways to support some level of enforcement. Otherwise, you know, you might get another tragedy in your hands. So, Well, the next time you see Selena, please tell her there are many people that she'll never know who have uh, sent the warmest of thoughts and hopes for her. And uh, I'm, so, I'm so glad to hear that she's doing better. She does know. She she loves like she, the way that first of all, the way that Hoyle responded 
and and this is just a whole thing. Um, whenever there's tragedy, this community pulls together like you've never seen. And she has felt an overwhelmingly support um, of, from this community. So she she knows, um, and she feels, and she's very very grateful for it. Holyoke Mayor Joshua Garcia, thank you so very much for being with us today on this Mayor's Monday. Coming up, Black in the Valley with the Milkar Shabazz right after this. This is Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg.